All right, so we'll start this off with a quick disclaimer. First and foremost, we are a group of socially awkward young men. So being that this is our first episode, it's probably going to be a little awkward at points. Just bear with us, be patient. It'll it'll get better as we get more comfortable with doing this. And with that being said, I probably would not recommend letting your kids listen to this because we uh, we get spicy sometimes. So there's your warning. Fuck. Yeah, there, there's some <laughs> not family friendly language in this show. All right, hit it. Out of him right now is what I should do, but that doesn't do me any good. Either. All right, welcome to episode one of the Bunch Axe podcast. I'm Darren McCabe. I got Matt McGrath over here. How you doing? And we got Mikey Corbin, kind of. What's up? Yeah, Mikey is having some technical difficulties, so he is calling in on his phone. Tell me about it. Yeah, his computer said, fuck you, I'm I'm not showing up to work today. My my computer, my phone, the USB cable from my phone. Yeah, it it's been a it's been a rough go for us. So how's everyone doing? <laughs> Great. Yeah. Amazing. Another day in paradise. Ain't that the truth? Did everyone have a fun day today? Fuck no. Oh, I wanted to die only seven times. <laughs> I had a nice easy day at work today. It's lucky you. How was your day, Matt? <laughs> well, let's just say uh, my fucking engine in my car st- uh, decided to stop working this morning. Oh no, our engine is broken. <laughs> It's not in race mode. It's just a piece of shit. It was. What did you do to it? Uh, uh, I don't even know, to be honest with you. So uh, probably like about a month ago or not a month ago, maybe at the beginning of the month, I changed my oil and apparently it doesn't really matter which oil you put in your car. Uh, which that doesn't make any sense to me. Instead of putting regular, I put in synthetic on accident without even realizing. So it had like a little knocking noise a little bit. Then it went away for a, uh, for a while. And just on Sunday, I was coming back from a, from a shop working on uh, Brian Quilliam's car, the figure eight. All I heard, like as soon as I got into my town, all I heard was just loud knocking noises. Just you can't even hear that, but I was just fucking slamming my chair. But um, it was just knocking really loud. Drove it on Monday. I was I made it to work and back uh, and back home. Tuesday I didn't even go to work because of it. And just this morning, same thing, except 
literally two minutes into my ride down the road from my house, fucking breaks down, doesn't even turn on anymore. So I had to get my father to pick me up and drive me to work. It's, yeah, <laughs> this sucks. Yeah, I'm no expert, but that probably doesn't sound good. Sounds like your engine's not working properly. Oh, yes, I know. It's it's not working at all. It's probably going to be expensive. So why doesn't it just buy your Jetta, Derek? Yeah, you can buy my Jetta. I'll teach you how to drive stick. Lately used? That's the first, that's the first car I drove in stick with. I remember you dumping my clutch. <laughs> <laughs> Meh. That thing's got a stage two clutch in it, though, so it, it ain't that easy to, to drive. Just think, I used to fucking sit in Hamptons traffic every morning in that thing. I'd rather die. Yeah. Now you know why it's not my daily driver anymore. Mm -hmm. Didn't I have some sort of issue? Or no, no. Blew it up? no. No, I blew up a different car. I'll tell that story at some point on here, I'm sure, because that's a fucking good one. Um, no, I just am sick of driving stick everywhere, so that's why I uh, I have the Jeep now. That, and it's a lot easier to pack my car with my luggage for our racing trips in the Jeep than it is the Jetta, because when we went to Thompson last year, it was literally 10 pounds of shit in a 5-pound bag. <laughs> Between all the beer, the luggage, yeah, it was a lot of shit in my little trunk. Now I have a Jeep, so it's not a problem. So, yeah, anyway, back to the point. Um, we are a racing podcast, if you want to call it that. Obviously, uh, the main point of this is to talk about racing and stuff. Obviously, uh, some life stories as well. Everything. We'll call it a racing lifestyle podcast. So, in today's show, we are going to introduce ourselves, explain what the hell this is all about, We'll be talking some NASCAR. We'll be talking some shit about NASCAR. And uh, it's Stafford Spring Sizzler Week, weather permitting, hopefully. So we'll be previewing that. So I guess we'll get into what the fuck this is. So the elephant in the room would probably be the name, Bunch of Hacks. The backstory on that, it did not come from Ryan Priest's interview, I promise. Um, it actually came from the Thompson World Series. I was pretty drunk, and SK Light Modifieds were getting ready to go out for their feature, and I turned over to Mikey, because it was his first time going to Thompson, and I looked at him, and I'm like, hey, these guys are not going to make it to turn one. Sure enough, he pulls out his phone. He's like, shit, I better record this. Pulls out his phone, and the moment he clicks record, the entire field wrecks at the moment they get into the restart zone. Half the field gone, multiple cars airborne. Uh, George Bissett Jr. had his fucking roof peeled off the car. It was, it was a sight. And I turn over, I'm like, what a bunch of fucking hacks. And that is now the name of this show. So we we've wanted to do this for a while. We were always like bouncing the idea around and it just we were just blowing smoke like it never took off. And then when we got back from Thompson after the World Series, because that weekend was pretty wild. 
we decided we should probably take this more seriously. So we were going to do it around the time the Daytona 500 started. And life was just really busy for everyone at the time, or at least for me. I'm sure it was for you guys too, right? Yep. Yep. Everyone getting their race cars and shit ready. So ended up not happening. And we've tried doing this first episode about 700 billion times. Around there. Something like that. Hopefully this is the one that makes the cut. It's already going better than past ones has since uh, I'm not drinking this time. So, yeah. Anyway, like we said, it's another racing podcast. Uh, We're going to strive to give everyone a unique perspective on racing through the fact that we are drivers slash former drivers and we're just huge race fans. So I don't know how unique that is, but buzzwords and shit. But yeah, we're going to have some really cool guests on. I already got a bunch of good ones lined up and you're going to hear a whole lot of fun stories. The whole goal of this is to share the love of local short track racing and just motorsports in general. You know, this is a, I guess our way of giving back to the community and sport that pretty much has shaped our entire lives and given us so much. So we just want to promote the sport. We love get some more asses in the seats at these tracks and make some new fans and hopefully make you guys laugh along the way. Obviously a lot of it's going to be NASCAR and local short track based, but we'll be dabbling in some other motorsports as well. Like IndyCar F1 might even touch on iRacing a little bit. Who knows? But yeah, it should be fun. So hopefully you guys uh, enjoy the ride. So yeah, as stated earlier, this is like the 900,000th time we've been trying to get this first episode out. So I guess I'll explain a little bit of backstory. So we were going to the Thompson Icebreaker. And I was like, you know, this would probably be a good week to get the first episode out. Because we can introduce ourselves, do all that fun introductory bullshit, and uh, do a little bit of previewing Thompson. And God, that was horrible. Wasn't it, guys? Yeah, Yeah, it was the greatest. Yeah, basically what I did was I was like, fuck it, let's make an episode tonight. Everyone get on Discord at like 6 o'clock or whatever it was. (laughs) No (laughs) No fucking clue what we were doing. God, that was brutal. There was zero preparation at all whatsoever. And we had no idea what the hell to even talk about because I did not put any prep into it. I was like, oh, we'll just get on and bullshit and, you know, we'll see where the conversation takes us. Not a good way to do it. Yeah, it turns out some preparation was definitely necessary. Yeah, it was uh, it was rough. But luckily, the Thompson icebreaker ended up getting postponed. And well, not luckily, but luckily for the sake of the show. Well, at this point, it doesn't even fucking matter. (laughs) Thompson ended up getting postponed a week. So that gave me some time to think about how we were going to do this and put a little prep into it. So then we did our second attempt at the first episode and it went pretty well. Uh, Unfortunate thing about that is being that it was Easter weekend at that point. Uh, Thompson pushed back the icebreaker by six days. So the first night was Friday. So it was a Friday, Saturday weekend. So 
we left Thursday and we recorded the episode on Wednesday. So I just had no time to edit it. So that's unfortunate. Then the third attempt, we had a guest. We did a very nice interview with said guest. Did a pretty well done episode. And we recapped Thompson, told some funny stories that you guys will eventually hear. Yeah, so my hard drive said, fuck you. And I ended up chucking the thing out the window. I literally edited the entire podcast. I was five minutes away from having it uploaded and on everybody's devices. And yeah, when I was trying to save it, my hard drive completely crashed. So that's fun. That was uh, a waste of two days. Two days that I'll never get back of editing. Then last week we tried doing an episode and we do this on Discord. So we have this bot called Craig and that's how we record. It does like multi-track recording. So it makes editing really easy. And being that this is a remote podcast, it's way better than doing it over like Zoom like most people do. So yeah, we do it in Discord. Craig is a bot that records everything, splits it into multi-tracks. And yeah, he just didn't show up to work last week. He was in the he was in the call and recording, but when I went to start editing the podcast, it was just silence. So something got fucked up with the recording and yeah, a lesson learned there with the the other two attempts. Back your shit up onto multiple hard drives. And use more than one uh, avenue of recording. So we're recording this now with OBS and Craig. So hopefully it works. If it doesn't, I'll probably just hang myself. Yeah, so one thing I forgot to mention earlier. I'm not sure what day this is going to come out. Uh, We record on Tuesday nights. And my tentative plan is to have the episodes out on Thursday. But this episode might come out on Friday. Who knows? I'm not sure what our schedule is going to be yet. It's going to be later in the week, like Thursday, Friday or something like that. So anyways, I guess uh, I guess now would be a good time to explain who the fuck we are, because at this point, you guys are probably like, what fucking right do you guys have to be putting out a podcast? So I'll get started. I have been around racing my entire life, like been going to Riverhead since I was two weeks old. My uncle used to race go-karts at Medford, West Hampton, Riverhead, all that fun stuff. So I would always be there watching. Of course, I was there on at Riverhead on the Saturday night shows as well. My grandfather used to be involved as well. He used to help out Eddie Dinseski with his modified and Mark Lento with his street stock slash figure eight car. So there's uh, there's some roots there. I eventually got into driving myself after years and years and years and years and years and years of begging my parents. Dad wanted me to play baseball. I did it for a couple years and there was no avoiding me catching the racing bug because I ended up getting on iRacing and that was the fucking end of baseball. So I ran go-karts for a bit after finally convincing my parents to let me let me race. And I ended up fucking destroying that thing in my left foot at Riverhead. But 
uh, a few years prior, this is going to be probably the weirdest how did you get the money to move up story ever. So freshman year of high school, I, uh, I got hit by a car. Some bitch was texting and driving while I was crossing the street. I looked both ways, but she came flying around a blind corner and mowed my ass down. Fast forward a couple of years, get a get a settlement from that, and that's what paid for me to move up out of go-karts. So I purchased a late model, ran that for about a year, and then kind of got frustrated because it's a big fucking jump going from go-karts to late models. It was a lot, especially when it was just me and my dad working on the thing. So we both eventually were burned out. I ended up moving down to a super pro truck in the middle of my second season just because it's a little bit less wear and tear on the wallet and not as much or not as labor intensive. So it was good for me and my dad. And plus we had some more help now at that point, but I didn't, I mean, I enjoyed racing the truck, but it just wasn't what I was used to at that point. Cause I had gotten moderately competitive so my dumbass, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get another late model. So after about a year running trucks, got another late model and was actually pretty competitive in that like top five car weekly. So that was fun. Ran myself out of money. So I made a couple starts in a legend car during COVID year. And most recently I ran one race in a street stock and Pretty much decided that I'm going to hang up the helmet and pursue other opportunities, such as being a traveling dumbass that likes to go watch racing instead of participating in it. But on top of that, I also was part of a team back to when I bought that second late model. I bought it from Daryl Baker, so I immediately got hooked up with that team. Uh, at the time, John Baker was racing tour modifieds, and I was pretty much just the team cheerleader. I played around with the tires and did a lot of the general bitch work, like wiping the car down, cleaning the windshield for John, doing the refueling, grabbing tools, all that fun shit. And I have a small career in spotting, so uh, I like doing that. I'm probably better at that than I ever was driving which is actually a perfect segue into the next segment of this, which is my accomplishments. I don't have any because I'm a fucking hack. Uh, no, uh, just, just some top fives here and there in trucks and late models and a lot of top fives in go-karts. I was running a late model on the fraction or a fraction of a street stock budget, so like one tire a week type shit. So I never had the money to be like super competitive. I was just out there to have some fun, learn some shit, maybe down the road. Like if I kept at it would have gotten better, but I kind of just lost the passion for it. I guess there's a, there's a couple, couple reasons as to why that is that I probably shouldn't talk about right now at the risk of getting canceled. So We'll just leave it at the fact uh, that I lost my passion. Scott Tapley, please come back. 
So yeah, now that I'm not racing, like I said, I'm a, a traveling Darf or dumbass race fan. I like going to uh, the other tracks, watching some racing, doing whatever it is that Darfs do. Obviously, doing this podcast, and uh, I spend a lot of my free time on iRacing. That's uh, that's how I get my fix these days. But obviously, like I still go to the track every week, support, watch as a fan. But yeah, the people, uh, the people. That's what definitely keeps me coming back to the track because this sport, I've been around it for so long. I've just, I've built lifelong friendships with people and I literally talk to them and hang out with them every day or weekend, as you can see by this podcast. So I guess uh, I'll share a quick funny story of my biggest hack moment behind the wheel. I, uh, back in... Back in 2019, championship night at Riverhead, this was in the late model, I had just gotten back from the old ambulance at the track, getting my wrist wrapped up because I had fractured it in a heat race. I had another competitor come down and just try to chop my nose off like I wasn't even there, and my right front tire hit his left rear tire. And just ripped the fucking wheel out of my hand and tweaked my wrist up pretty good. So, yeah, I uh, I pretty much raced with one hand in the feature that night. And there was a driver that spun me out who I have had many issues with in the preceding weeks. He was pretty much just a fucking dart without feathers and showed no regard to the car that he was renting out or anybody else's equipment or safety and he spun me out and I got fucking fed up with it. I keyed up over the radio and said this fucking motherfucker every fucking week I am going to kill him. And later on I learned the lesson of maybe don't key up and go off because race control will be listening to you. Yeah, long story short, I ended up getting back to him, sent him into the infield, and got parked for premeditated contact, or premeditated retaliation, whatever the hell it was. Yeah, um, lesson learned, don't run your mouth immediately after spinning out. All right, Matt, your turn. All right, well, racing has been around for all my life, ever since I was first born, I've been going to the track at Riverhead. Every weekend, my uh, my father would take me along with my mother, and uh, but it was really mostly me and my father's just a special connection for us, and something that we can relate to, it's something that we love. He used my father used to work on a late model back in the day with I believe it was Tony DeMonte, and then my uncle. My uncle Jeff, he he worked on a modify with Ed Cahill, I believe, and uh, also my grandfather used to race go karts. I'm not sure where, but I'm sure somewhere on the island at a few tracks. That's all the history I know from back then, before I was even born. But they've been around racing for a long time, so kind of just stuck around and. I'm here. 
now I love racing. Your uncle did some racing too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say that my uncle did some racing at Evergreen or used to be called Mountain and Sundance Vacation. The fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. Hey guys, you want to go to Sundance Vacation? (laughs) I wonder who came up with that and like, yes. Who approved that? Uh-huh. Yeah, Evergreen has been through quite a couple name changes. Oh yeah. Anyways, I raced go karts for I don't know, maybe two or three years, not consistently. My first season of go karts did a whole season of that. I I found I found racing a lot of fun at that point. So then I moved up one division instead of having that. F- uh oh my god i had the two the tube sideboards or whatever on the go-kart i went to like what do you call it flat cart yeah yeah the flat cart death trap went to that one moved up to that uh started off consistent and then i got into a bad wreck uh luckily i didn't get hurt that day but it was scary because the go-karts are all open and this kid's right rear tire was like right up in my face. And then after that, I was like, fuck it. I ain't racing no more. Yeah. So for those who for those who don't know, running go-karts at Riverhead is it's fucking Daytona. Like it's all about drafting and you're wide open and you're in a pack. And one small mistake turns into a lot of torn up shit. Oh yeah. And when you wreck, you wreck fucking big. Yeah, it's not fun. Well, racing is fun, <laughs> but it's not fun wrecking. Yeah, so after that, I didn't race for the rest of the season. And then the year after that, I came back for like a few races, and that was really it. I still have the go-kart, which is surprising, because I thought we were going to sell it, but I haven't done that yet. Can't relate. Mine was fucking trash. Well, you've seen the video. Yeah, I've seen the video. Not pretty. I heard a little bit. I, I can only imagine. Now I'm racing the uh, Super Pro Trucks, which I started last season in uh, 2022. Completed, what, four or five races in like one lap? Yeah, it's not, it's it's something, something like that. that. By the way, this Pro Truck was from Darren McCabe's. Yes, that truck I was talking about earlier. It is, uh, it's still in the family. Thank God. And a little worse <laughs> shape than it was before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you'll, you'll have that on them big jobs. Yeah. First season. Uh, I shocked everybody on my first race, even though I kept hitting the wall. But I still shocked everybody. Uh, you just kissed the wall a couple times. Except for that last time. <laughs> Yeah, this year I'm not running. Um, I have no sponsors. Currently uh, working on trying to get shop space so I can not work on it outdoors, which I can't work on it outdoors anyways because I literally have no spot to do that. And I also need my own truck too. Oh my God. A lot of shit. Matt is currently having an existential crisis <laughs> <Yeah>. over this. <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, I've I have no accomplish I have no accomplishments at all. Oh yeah, you do. What happened in the last race? Oh, okay, okay. So this this is the this is my hack moment here. So going into the future, I was like so confident starting P six. I no P five or somewhere around. I don't know. I forget. Yeah, you made the handicap. Made the handicap, and um. In the future, proceeded to drive like you were handicapped. Uh, yeah, let's just say. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. Let's just Wait say uh, lap one, turn one and two did good. Going into three, all right, almost spun someone out uh, that was in front of me, and then I was panicking. Coming out of four, CJ Lehman, which he was yelling in my ear outside outside i didn't really listen to that apparently <laughs> I, f- I felt the truck get loose i was like oh shoot and uh, i put me and someone else into the wall and i proceeded to get yelled at through my window net do not recommend yeah that wasn't fun at all <laughs> yeah all joking aside Rookie mistake, it happens. Everybody does dumb shit behind the wheel. Yeah. My uh my classic saying, you can't learn if you don't fuck up. Yep, that's pretty much true. Oh, I forgot to add in. I used to work for uh CJ with his modified. I would I did the same thing as Darren did. Do did all the bitch work. Just tires and shit. That and uh the professional coattail rider. <laughs> yeah. I just love racing, honestly. <laughs> I caught the I really caught the racing bug when I started my first uh first year of Pro Trucks. No explanation to it. It's just I loved it. I loved it. I like working on my own stuff. I like touching things. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like I like touching things. That might be a new show title. That's a bad segment. That's I mean Oh dear God! I keep I I also keep coming back because of uh, the people. There's a lot a lot of good people that we can you can relate to. Yeah, because we're all fucked in the head. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are. But all joking aside, but I built some pretty close friendships, and I'm I'm thankful, very very thankful for it. But I did not, I did not get a voice crack. Okay. You didn't hear that. None of you guys heard that. But once again, it's all good. <laughs> it's all right. I remember going through puberty. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. What about you, Mikey? Who the fuck are you? So I started the course as many people do. Got a bottom of the barrel and go karts at the Poughkeepsie Speedway. Only a couple miles from my house. Darren is also a race there. Yes, great fucking track. Love that track. I started there when I went one time in 2013, and my buddy Ethan Sanflip was testing out his go-kart there, and he let me hop in it. The rest is history. Yeah, anyway, we ended up getting the go-kart after I cried out Ethan. I ran it full-time in 2014, got three wins there, and decided to move up and move over to dirt side for a little bit. But the playing shot. Ran out in 2015, ended up with a track championship. 2016, ran a bunch of races. I moved to the full size cars with the rookie sportsman at Accord in 2017. 
did the same in 2018 with some success there. 2019 went full time in the sports and kind of had some issues. It was pretty rocky, but you know, that's how it goes. 2020, same thing. Went over to five mile for a little bit prior to that. didn't go too great. 2021, we said, fuck the sportsman class. This is shit. And decided to move to the modified class at Accord Speedway. Quite the ups and downs, I would say. Hey, it's a lot more fun than sportsman class. It's a lot less stuff. Apart from tires, spending a thousand bucks every week is not great. But yeah, now I'm going a different direction now with the way things are going and shit's so goddamn expensive. Went out and got myself a street stock. Going to race that Accord hopefully full time this year. Opening practice is this Friday. Did try out, rebuilt it, ran a couple, couple of times last year, ran pretty good. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this year. And of course, being a race car driver, I'm also a racing fan. I've been to plenty of Different tracks just to watch and have a good time. Especially Thompson last year with the boys Darren Matt. My accomplishments. I lost count of how many wins. I don't have many. But I don't have a little bit either. Got three wins in the go kart in 2014. Won a track title for the slingshot in 2015 at Oakland Valley Speedway with five wins on the year. 2016 kept on successful one. The opener, Shell Hammers, for the Junior Slingshot Tour, the first tour that I ever run, ended up fifth at the end of that season. That's running a bunch of races, having some ups and downs. And got Rookie of the Year award. Got my first one at the Accord Speedway in the Slingshot in August. And finished it out at Oktoberfest at Oakland Valley with a win in one of the three races. 2017 was kind of a learning curve for the Rookie Sportsman. Won a couple of heat races, but not much else. 2018 started kicking some ass and won three races that year. Two of them would be an Accord, and one time I won a Thunder Mountain. It could be two, but I fucked up the other one. My last one on August 25th, 2018. I haven't won Jack Spit since. My biggest tack moment behind the wheel I had to come in my 2014 first season in the go kart. Of course, we had heat races. We had a hot last heat races, and we had a feature. At the end of the feature, you have Pull around the flag, stand and give you a checkered flag, you can go take your victory lap around. Well, it was the heat race. I thought it was the feature. Won the heat race. Went around to take the checkered flag, like, oh, buddy, this is the heat race. I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> went back to the pit, went back out for the feature, and thankfully won the feature. We had to come and victory lap anyway. What gets me coming back to is just the adrenaline you get from going fast, whipping cars around dirt tracks, and Working on them, even though it's a pain in the ass. So it's fun doing it, putting them together, building them, fixing them, kind of. And of course, as everyone says, the people have met so many great friends through the sport. And that's who I am. So, yeah, we'll get into the NASCAR recap section of the show now. The, uh, the NASCAR boys, they tore some shit up this weekend. Talladega week. And the ARCA race, ARCA Break Weekly, as I like to call it, uh, they kicked off the weekend. What do we think of the race, boys? I didn't watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't get the time to watch it. I was working on race cars. Yeah, you pretty much missed absolutely nothing. The ARCA package could definitely use some work. Once they switched over to the Gen 6 bodies, the racing at Super Speedways kind of suffered. So... 
I don't know what it is, but like it's pretty much single file. Nobody even tries to win the race and you lift for a split second and you're losing the fucking draft. Yep. Not that I like to see wrecks and stuff, but there's just no excitement coming from the ARCA races anymore. The super speedways, like, yeah, they were complete shit shows back in the day, but there was some really good racing and it's just, it's not the case anymore. Pretty much the only thing that happened was Scott Melton fucking cleaned Greg Van Alst's clock and probably rode off what is, if not his only car, definitely his only super speedway car. Yeah, I don't really know what the hell was going on there. Like, it was weird. Everyone got, like, checked up. Greg Van Alst just got hooked. Hooked head on into the wall. So, hate to see that. But... Speaking of Greg Van Alst, he will be running an Xfinity car for Alpha Prime later this year at Atlanta. So that's fucking cool. He is a short track guy at heart, busted his ass, and it's nice to see it paying off. He got the win at Daytona to open the season, and he's just one of those guys that works hard, grinds, and it's cool to see him making deals happen. Anyway, back to uh, back to the race. The only other thing that happened there was a very ARCA thing. Uh, someone missed a shift on the restart, and a bunch of people just piled in. Yep, there's some ARCA breaks. Yeah, it's just typical. Typical ARCA. So, Jesse Love ended up winning the race. Big shocker there. Venturini's got their plate program down pat. That's pretty much all I have to say about the ARCA race. It wasn't great. The Xfinity race came right after the ARCA race, and that fucking made up for the lack of action in ARCA. Wouldn't you guys say, well, Matt, you didn't watch, but wouldn't you agree, Mikey? There was plenty of action in that. Yeah, they fucking, they were the ARCA race this weekend. <laughs> yeah. That's the best way I'd describe it. Look, they swapped. Usually the Xfinity race isn't the greatest, and the arc is a shit show, and I just flip-flop. Yeah, it, it was, it, we'll just call it what it is. It was a fucking shit show. At least, like, the first stage was insane. There weren't any wrecks. There were some close calls, of course, but, like, they took the green and just immediately started getting after it three, four wide, and it was intense racing throughout the first stage. It looked like old school Winston Cup at Talladega for a while there. It was damn good. And then once stage two began, it all kind of went downhill. We'll uh, address Derek Krause there. Great move. Just self-cleared himself. Hooked Parker Rett's laugh in front of the field and looked like he was going over. It took out a lot of good cars there. Well, not really. Took out like Anthony Alfredo, which I'll take the blame on that one because I picked him to win. And yeah, he just Derek Krause just straight up self-cleared himself with Parker Chase, and it wasn't pretty. Well, actually, you know what? I'll take the blame on that too. Because I did say about five laps before this happened that, you know, maybe Derek Krause has turned over a new leaf, and perhaps I was a little too hard on him hard on him in the past with the uh, criticism 
And I was reminded why I was so heavily criticizing him in the first place. Then up next, probably the most wild wreck of the day, we had Dexter Stacy. I guess he just got loose coming out of turn two and spun down to the infield, pounded the inside wall. And I guess when he spun towards the infield, he clipped Blaine Perkins and Perkins right into the path of Jade Buford, another pick of mine. Uh, yeah, Buford just launched him into the air and he went bow rolling down the backstretch. So how it worked with Fox was they saw Dexter spin, pound the wall, and then you see Blaine Perkins come to rest. And at that time, we didn't know he had flipped. I, I actually, I questioned it. I was like, yo, it looks like he got upside down. That's what I said. Yeah. Then Fox immediately cut to commercial break, and I was like, oh, fuck, this is really bad. Because usually if they'll cut to commercial or hesitate to show a replay, it's usually not a good sign. But, yeah, it was towards the end of the stage, so they were probably getting ready for their commercial break anyway. But, yeah, that was a scary moment. He fucking... Oh, my God, that was such a wreck. Definitely one of the worst in recent memory for the track and the series. Yeah, like, everyone was saying, like, oh, my God, NASCAR's got to keep these cars on the ground. But, like, the only way that is physically possible is if you neuter these cars so much that they're going 150 miles an hour. Nobody wants to watch that shit. Nope. Like, it's simple physics. Like, no matter what, you're never able, you're never going to be able to keep a car on the ground, guaranteed. It's just, like, the risk of racing. You know, like, especially, like, with how hard Jade Buford hit Blaine Perkins, like, what it was, was when he got T-boned in the right side of the car, it lifted the left side up. It's just simple, you know, Newton's three laws there and it picked up the right or the left side of the car. And at that speed, it just continued to fly through the air and it dug and did some bowel rolls. But he did get transported to a local hospital. But luckily, a couple days later, uh, Blaine Perkins was released. I don't know if he's cleared to race this weekend or not, but either way, it's good to see him. Uh, good to see that he's OK. And. Obviously, Dexter was okay. He actually said in his interview that it looked worse on TV than it really was. Which, if you guys have seen that wreck, I don't know how you can say that, but who am I? I'm just in my parents' house talking about it. So, yeah, and that Blaine Perkins wreck, they said he flipped so hard they had make crack repairs. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, wait, I think that was Hemrick. No, that was after Blaine Perkins. Oh, shit, I didn't even know that. They were talking about, in a broadcast, they were talking about how they, what, they red-flagged it? They had to make track repairs because he barreled so fucking hard. Oh, shit, I didn't even know that. Jesus. See, I expected maybe, like, because Dexter Stacy hit the wall so hard, it might have crushed the safer barrier. I don't know. But, anyway, yeah, then the next one... Brandon Jones just fucking turned Sammy Smith into the inside wall. Not really much to say on that one. So my prediction 
or we'll call it a jinx because it seems everybody that I pick to do well ends up wrecking. It's not just a uh, this weekend at Talladega type thing. It's just my luck. I ended up picking John Hunter Nemechek after my other two guys wrecked out. And he ended up wrecked as well. He made an abrupt lane change in the middle of the trial. And it just weight shifted the car and he spun out and absolutely pounded the inside wall with the driver's side of the car. Yeah, that's a hard fucking hit. Not very often you have a single car incident at Talladega. Yeah, then uh, Ryan Truex and Sam Mayer, they meet again. Truex threw a shitty block on Sam Mayer and checked out, checked up the whole outside line and triggered a pretty big wreck. Pretty much all of the remaining JR Motorsports cars, because Brandon Jones had his shit pretty tore up from that incident with Sammy Smith. Derek Krauss got in it too, which is a huge shock to everyone, I'm sure. Yeah, it's... This is a, this is my opinion with the blocks, and you guys can chime in too. But in my opinion, like when it's late in the race, like yeah, you want to keep the lead or keep your track position. But when you throw a block like that, especially a late one, you you assume the risk that you're gonna get wrecked. And I think there were like twenty laps to go or something like that at that point. Like there there's just no point live to race another corner i mean i'm not sure it's not the worst block that anybody's ever thrown not even the worst block that someone threw that day yeah get to that later yeah i think it was more of mayor checking up than it was correct because i get the checkup was from correct blocking but that just i don't know yeah but i mean like when everyone it's just the nature of Talladega racing I guess like when everyone's on top of each other like that one small mistake usually uh does not end well and it usually results in a 20 plus car pileup so it's just Talladega things it's just kind of funny that it was Truex and Mayer again for the second week in a row yeah Truex fucking cleaned him out at Martinsville and then a week later Kind of throws a sketchy block, you know, it's one of them things. It's kind of funny. It's, uh, when, when you're pissed at a driver, he's usually the one that you end up riding in the driver intro trucks with the next week. It just, it always works out like that. And once you have one incident, it's like, now you guys are fucking magnetically connected. I'm sure, like, even on the local track, like, you've had that happen, Mikey. Oh, yeah. Yep. Always works out that way. So, I'll let you take the next one. I know you're a big Daniel Hemrick fan. Ah, uh, we have currently fucking sucks. So, not much to say other than, what a fucking idiot. He threw the block about 15 miles too late and proceeded to murder all of the cars without damage. Yeah, that was a pretty big pileup. And, of course, he sent himself on his lid. And there were some hard fucking hits in this one. Like... Josh Balicki shit whipped that car and there was like half of it left when I saw him drive back on the pit road with half a car like I, I don't even know how he drove the thing back to the pits yeah it's the same thing that's why they carry him like where's the rest of the car <laughs> dude he hit the wall <laughs> so fucking hard uh 
Raleigh Herbst took a pretty big hit too. Um, I'm surprised he's not in like NASCAR's concussion protocol because he was definitely dazed and confused in his interview. Well, it's not the next gen, so it's fine. Oh yeah, that's true. But my heart stopped when Hemrick. I saw Hemrick's car get launched by Herbs. I'm like, oh crap. Yeah, I uh, I predicted that it would be a two flip race, and sure enough, being the prediction master that I am, it ended up going that way. I ended up taking out the fucking Fox camera. But yeah, there were some vicious hits. Oh my god. But you know what it reminded me of, actually? Remember Dennis Setzer's crash from like 2010? Yeah, that's who that was, right? Yeah, when he... uh, When he launched into the fence, yeah, in turn four, the last lap. Who was it? Jamie McMurray threw a late block? Yeah, did the same thing Hemrick did. Yeah, threw a really late block, and Dennis Setzer ended up on top of the safer barrier into the catch fence. Eerily similar. <laughs> yeah. The old deja vu, Rex. But, god damn, there were some hard hits there. That was pretty much the Xfinity race. Jeb Burton ended up winning that, because naturally I predicted that he would wreck. Which, I think, given who Jeff Burton, uh, Jeb Burton, oh my god. Given who Jeb Burton is as a driver, I'd say picking him to wreck is a pretty uh, pretty cut and clear case there. I'll keep my comments to myself for now. But yeah, that was the uh, the Arca Xfinity race. Man, they tore up a lot of shit. We get into the cup race. Not so much happened early on there. Well, McDowell started off the race blowing a tire on lap two and did the old 360 and keep going. He's pretty much famous for that at this point he did it what like 17 times at bristol dirt something like that yeah so that got the race off to a nice start then green flag pit stops come tyler reddick trapped in the outside line trying to pit with the rest of his toyota teammates he ends up pitting from the second line and spins himself out to the inside wall wheel hop that bitch and just sent it right on in and almost killed himself and all of his Toyota teammates. Then after that, Chase Briscoe pretty much does the same thing and almost annihilates the Fords. And with the way his car was set up, it was literally stuck on the splitter when he flat-spotted his tires, and he got stuck there, and he was literally doing donuts in the pits just trying to get the car to roll again. Didn't happen, NASCAR ended up throwing the caution for that. So, yeah, nothing really happened uh, after that. I think Chase Elliott won the first stage, and then Eric Almirola won stage two. There was an incident with everyone's favorite driver, Harrison Burton and Noah Gregson. So, Talladega, a couple of years ago, they put an infield tunnel going in to turn three, and they had to repave the track. Harrison Burton hit this transition while Noah Gregson was pushing him, and you could see it upset the car pretty bad, and Burton ended up spinning to the infield and somehow kind of saved it. I'll commend him on that one. He's not uh, exactly the best driver in the field, but maybe he showed he belongs in the Cup Series with a move like that. I don't know. What's your guys' opinion on that? I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to be nice here. Yeah, kind of hard to. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> this race went downhill pretty quick because after that, cautions breed cautions. 
Joey Logano gets stalled up by Todd Gillen side drafting him and backs up the whole outside line. Took out a bunch of cars in this one. Corey LaJoy, Ricky Stenhouse, among others. That was a pretty typical Talladega wreck there. Then after that, Ross Chastain getting pushed by Larson. Can't really push the pusher. But yeah, it ended up sending Noah up the track. Chastain shot the gap. Noah just tried taking his nose off. Led to him pounding the outside wall head on, which is not the first time he's done that here. You never, never like to see a car go head on into the wall like that. Larson ended up getting clipped by someone, spun to the infield, shot back up the track right into the path of Ryan Priest, and holy fuck, what a hit. That was horrendous. Yeah, that was not pretty. Oh, what a fucking hit. Yeah, it ended up breaking the roll cage in Larson's car, and he said in his interview that the cockpit was a mess, which is extremely concerning, but... We'll see what happens with that car, because that one's going to the R&D Center. Priest's car is going to the R&D Center. I believe Blaine Perkins' car will be going down there as well, but God, Priest hit him so fucking hard. It opened up his visor and launched him forward in the car. That's how hard he hit. But, oh, yeah, thing I forgot to mention now that I'm thinking about it. I picked Joey Logano to win the cup race, so naturally he ends up wrecked. Then after that, I was feeling silly, picked Ty Gibbs to win, and he ran out of fuel on the overtime restart. So life is going great. Can you pick Logano every week? Maybe. I I don't <laughs> think there's anybody that would be opposed to that. Please do it. I don't like him. Yeah, I don't I don't think many people do. But yeah, anyway, that was uh that was a thing. So coming to the white flag, Bubba Wallace looks like he's got this race pretty much locked up. Throws a couple blocks on Ryan Blaney, turns himself, junks the whole field pretty much like the remaining cars, and Kyle Busch takes down the win. First plate race win in about 15 years, I think. Yep. 2008. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, live to race another corner. You don't really need to be throwing a block like that in turn one at Talladega. Yeah, it's like a turn three or four block. Yeah, that's like tri-oval. I get he was, he was going for the win real hard. He was he was frustrated, I could tell. Well, he threw his arms device on the ground. Yeah, nobody uh, nobody likes to tear shit up, and especially when your shit's torn up from the lead, but just one of those things, you know? It's Talladega, people are throwing blocks and stuff all day. It's Someone's bound to make a mistake. It's just part of racing, you know? But yeah, Kyle Busch has really proven to Joe Gibbs uh, that it was a good, good decision to fire him. And Gibbs is punching the air. Yeah, Kyle Busch has more wins this season than all of Joe Gibbs racing. Gibbs is four teams combined. Yeah, Christopher Bell is the only one who has won for Gibbs this season. And Kyle Busch won Auto Club and now Talladega. Great decision there, Joe. Yep. So... That was the Talladega weekend. Um, overall, I'd say it was a pretty decent weekend. There was some. There was a lot of action. The Cup race was actually better than I thought it would be, given past plate races. I don't know why I keep calling them plate races, because they don't run a plate anymore. Super Speedway, call it that. But 
Yeah, the racing was definitely a lot better that time around. You were actually able to go three wide. There were guys making moves. There was people actually trying to go for the win, which was nice. So, nice breath of fresh air in the Xfinity race. All the bullshit aside was a really good action-packed race. Like, there was some great racing. Parker race, not a fan, but just part of it. So, that was the NASCAR weekend in a nutshell. Up next, we'll preview the Stafford Springs Sizzler. So, for those who don't know what Stafford Motor Speedway is, well, I don't know how you don't, but... It is literally like the cup series of local short track racing. Most people who know about the place would agree that it is like the premier short track. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful facility that is constantly getting money reinvested into it. The Aroots have their shit together. They're one of the only local short tracks that has safer barriers. They have this fucking sweet ass bar overlooking turn four that they just put in over the off season. And that track has some of the best payouts in the country because they have a really well thought out contingency sponsor program. And that leads to amazing car counts all across the board. There's like 500 cars in each division. I think their worst car count is 18 cars in our limited late model division. And that's not even a bad car count. So a lot of tracks could learn from Stafford. Agreed. But yeah, like I said, it's Stafford Spring Sizzler week, one of my favorite weeks. I haven't been to a Spring Sizzler since 2009. So going this weekend, and I am looking forward to it because there is a damn good card on tap. Kicking it off Saturday with the open modified duels. Well, this is in no particular order. These are just the divisions that are running on Saturday. We got some open mod duel races. The event that I'm most looking forward to, the American Canadian Tour, hits Stafford for the first time. That's going to be fucking awesome. I love that division so much. It, the ACT is a great, great, great series. And yeah, Derek Luchak, you'll probably win that one because he fucking wins pretty much every race he runs. Got some limited late models on tap, street stocks, and vintage cars. I'll leave it at that. Sunday, main event day, we got SK Modifieds, Late Models, SK Light Modifieds, and of course, the Napa Spring Sizzler with the Open Modifieds. So, it's one of the most prestigious short track races in the country. $20,000 to win the damn thing. So, there is a fuck ton of cars entered in pretty much every division. Okay, so we're going to test a theory out here right now. Oh, boy. So I pick drivers to win races, and they wreck. I pick drivers to wreck, and they win races. All right, you know what to do here now. It is going to rain so fucking hard all weekend. It is going to be a complete washout. Every single track in the country is going to get rained out this weekend. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Mother Nature, do your thing. I spoke it a new existence. Mother Nature, like, I... I'm going to be putting in my vacation time, like, last minute. <laughs> yeah, well, now that I said that, it's going to be fucking bright, sunny, and hot as hell. But, yeah, Stafford Springs is going to be a good time. We're going to be staying at Hotel Fuller, 
and yeah. probably a lot of alcohol consumed. I recommend going to Hotel Fuller. They have amazing beds. Like, I'm just comfortable there. It's my new home. Everybody's going to go up there. Yeah, open house. <laughs> 20 people. Oh, God, she's going to hate us. <laughs> Advertising for the podcast. <laughs> Oh, God. I guess we'll get into what is probably going to become my favorite segment of this show. The Weekly Hack Highlights. This is where we uh, talk a little bit of shit. I guess I'll start. Scott Melton is my hack. Literally every time he fucking races, he wrecks someone or himself. Prime example, I believe it was Talladega last year. Someone... I think it was Richard Garvey launched over Brayton Laster and went flying through the air. Tony Brydinger was caught up in it at some point. Anyway, another car comes to a stop and I would say three to five years later, Scott Melton comes in and just fucking smashes into this car at full speed. Caution's already out. Everyone's done wrecking and yeah, he just fucking, like, hit the nitrous and went flying into this wreck. I mean, it makes sense because with ARCA cars, though, they don't have brakes. They just have two gas pedals. One of them is, like, normal power for when you're racing. And then the other one is for when there is a wreck in front of you. And it works similarly to push to pass. When you hit this uh, other gas pedal... It just gives you extra power. That way you can fucking plow into the wreck at full speed or more than full speed. It's just how the Arca series is. It's always been that way. But yeah, he fucking broke his leg in that crash. And you'd think he probably would have been like, "Mm, I probably shouldn't do this anymore. But no, he still does. And he still wrecks every time he gets into a car. His first race ever behind the wheel of anything because I did a little bit of research on this one his first race was in 2018 when he was 56 yeah 56 years old and it was a four cylinder race so he was running bang bangers and then got the bright idea to go hop into Will Kimmel's ARCA car I guess that doesn't make my jump from a go-kart to a late model sound as bad anymore right guys yeah no sure Go from a four-cylinder car at your local short track to a fucking ARCA car at Talladega. Logical move. But ARCA will approve literally anybody to race. Even I have been approved to run ARCA. All it takes is you send a fucking email. That's it. Um, I guess now would be a good time to announce that I will be in an ARCA car next year at Daytona. If I could build one. <laughs> we all will. Fuck. They'll let anyone race. Especially now with how that car count is going in that series. But yeah, like Scott Melton is the epitome of a pay driver. Uh, He owns his own insurance company and that's what he uses to fund his career of wrecking cars. And it's just like wreck, pay to fix it, repeat every time. And actually there's so many memes on the internet now. So when he wrecked the Daytona, he made like this angry face and it is now a meme template 
and I've been scrolling through Twitter and seen captions such as when Scott Melton has to listen to his spotter and it's just his That's angry face one? after he wrecked at Daytona. Yep. Yeah, that's six that sixty-nine car. Yep. <laughs> yeah, now it's that uh, nice. Yeah, well, not really because it fucking wrecks every time it's on track. Yeah, I guess uh Matt, I'll pass it on to you. Who's uh who's your hack of the weekend? My hack of the weekend is uh would apparently be you, Dan McCabe. Oh, this should be fucking good. Is this gonna be the bowling alley story? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Carry on. So, uh, every Friday night, me and my friend Michael, uh, not our Mikey over here, but my friend Michael that I went to school with for uh, many years, and uh, we hang out together with Darren, too. So, we had a whole day planned out, or a whole night. Darren texts us in the group chat saying uh i have a i have a meeting at work at one or two o'clock so i will be drunk okay so for the context i am a sales rep for a uh beer distributing wholesaler whatever the fuck you want to call it so we sell anheuser-busch product heineken product and a whole bunch of local shit so friday we had a meeting at one of our local breweries or we don't do the brewing but like one of our partners uh, Great South Bay, they had uh, some meeting there, and yeah, it was pretty much just an open bar, and we did a little bit of number crunching, and then proceeded to get drunk, eat pizza, and play on the golf simulators, and play pool. I was pretty tuned up. Yeah. Obviously, Darren was drunk already, and I uh, picked him up, as per usual, and... It's like, hey, how you doing? Great. Nice haircut. We both got haircuts the same week. Yes, yes, we did. I look like a lesbian now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so continuing on, he uh, presses some more brews in, in my car as we drive back into my town, pick up my, uh, my friend Michael. Went to Friday's, got some food. Yes, Matt got some medium rare chicken. Yeah, me I I got medium <laughs> rare chicken that night. I thought it was fine. I was like, okay, it doesn't even look bad. Then I had to look at it again after a few more bites. I was like, oh shit, it's medium rare chicken. Yeah. Yeah, that shit was just not cooked. So I mean that wasn't the first time that I ever had something ha- that like that happen to me. <laughs> Pretty on par for fucking TGI Fridays. After that, went to our, uh, my local bowling alley that is, like, right around the corner from me. And, it, you know, we chose to bowl for two hours, okay? We already did one game. One, one whole game finished. The second game... I, I don't even think you even did any of the second game. I think I did, like, the first three frames, and then I was like, I'm going to take a quick power now. <laughs> He's fucking gone. He's just laying down on the seats. He's just gone. So we were just messing around. We were messing around with him, recorded videos of him, dancing around with music and shit. And uh, there was this, the one, there was one of the videos. Um, 
my friend Michael was laying on the other side of the um, on a set of chairs, and uh, <laughs> it's, he was just mimicking Darren, just laying down, sleeping on the chairs. That oh my god! <laughs> After what, maybe four or five more games after that. You're like, it was that fucking long. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I was deceased. <laughs> Basically they woke me up and were like, yeah, our two hours are up. Oh no, we're our two hours were not up. I mean, it was close, but <laughs> it was not up yet. Oh, they weren't up. How close was it? I think we had like 20 minutes left. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I slept for, I literally, Oh, I'm going to take a quick power nap. Wake me up when the game is over. <laughs> I fucking slept on those uncomfortable ass plastic seats for like an hour and a half. Yeah. And I was just, yeah, I was gone for the night. I started drinking at like 1.30 because they were passing out samples of their beer at this meeting. And I pretty much, I put in a full shift. I was, uh, I was quite drunk. It happens. It's what I do on Fridays. Get drunk, eat food, go bowling. And yeah, we can add the bowling alley to the list of many places I have fallen asleep that are not my bed. Okay, so let me let me clarify. I can handle my alcohol, but given that we had a meeting at 1 o'clock, my work hours are 7 to 3.30. So when I have to be done with my day by 12.30... Uh, I had to get a much earlier start on my day so I can get all my shit done. So I started my work day at like 5.30, which means I woke up at about 4. And yeah, so I was quite tired. We'll chalk it up to me being tired, not because I was too drunk. Combination of both. No, I probably sound like I'm trying to save face here, but it genuinely, it was because I was tired. I was running on not a lot of sleep. Yeah. You'll have that on them big jobs, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. But, yeah, I uh, I feel honored to be featured in Hack Highlights. <laughs> I didn't think it would come in the first fucking episode, but here we are. What you got, Mikey? All right. My despise for Daniel Hemrick makes him my pick, because holy fuck, that was horrendous. I get, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I get blocking for Elite Talladega, but... Jesus H. Christ, that was awful. How many cars did he take out that day? Uh, the remainder of the fucking field. Whoever was left. <laughs> it, it had to be like a 15-car pileup. It's like Jeb Burton was the only one without damage from that wreck. But, yeah, that, that's a valid pick. So, yeah, Mikey is a big Daniel Hemrick fan. Oh, big time. It's either him or Gregson. Oh, I don't appreciate Noah Gregson's slander here. I fucking hate the gun. I'm sorry. I, I just haven't been a fan of him. I don't know why everybody's jumping on Ross Chastain's fault. He, he didn't have nothing to do with it, but he got pushed by Larson and then Gregson self-cleared two miles too late. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I understand Chastain's thought process there because like if a hole that big opened up for me i would have taken it too i love sticking things in holes you do so 
Oh, hey, as Art and Senna says, if you go for a gap that exists, or if you don't go for a gap that exists, you are no longer a racing driver. So, obviously everyone knows I'm very quick to criticize Chastain, but I even criticized him at first because he has earned the right to be criticized for everything. But upon further reviews, it, it wasn't really on him. I actually, I have a second hack. I don't know if we're allowed to do this. Go ahead. Jeb fucking Barton. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> yeah, this will be a good one. Yeah, he won the race. Cool, that's fine. He's still a fucking hack. The only reason he won is because I predicted that he would wreck. And we've already established that whenever I say something, the op- the opposite happens. So, you're welcome, Jeb. I am the only reason that you have two career wins in the Xfinity series. Both of them at Talladega. The first one came in a rain race. Take that as you will. Is Harvick going to wreck next week? Your prediction? Harvick's going to wreck every fucking week. <laughs> uh, so I'm a big Harvick fan. I've been a Harvick fan for like the past 20 years. More than that, like 22 years. The first, he's the, literally the first driver I remember ever cheering for. And yeah, it was that Atlanta race in 2001. That that was that. I grew up uh, in a family of Earnhardt fans, so me too. <laughs> naturally, most most of them went to Junior. I went to Harvick. I mean, I, I was a Junior fan too, but Harvick was my main guy. But anyway, we shouldn't be talking about people who are talented in this segment. Back to Jeb Burton. He was throwing shit blocks all fucking race. Like, it is honestly a miracle that he came out not fucking wrecked. Um, Not to mention, he called Chandler Smith an idiot in his press conference. Instead of celebrating his win, he's just calling Chandler Smith an idiot. Now, let's break this down. Chandler Smith drives for colleague. Jeb Burton used to drive for colleague, no longer has that ride because he did nothing with it. What has Chandler Smith done? Well, he almost won Las Vegas. I believe it was Las Vegas, right? Yeah. And then Austin Hill ended up getting by him late in the race. So he almost fucking won Vegas. Then he goes out and wins Richmond, which is a track that colleague is not great at. So he realistically should have two wins on the season, which in the first 10 races of the season, already close to Jeb Burton's career total in the same equipment that he used to be in says enough there. Now, obviously I would be remiss to leave out what happened with Noah Gregson. I believe it was last year at Charlotte. Noah Gregson literally had half of an engine I believe he was down like three cylinders and fucking drove by, ran him down and drove by Burton once again with half a fucking engine at Charlotte, which is a track where having an engine is kind of important. And just they got into a disagreement. Jeb Burton threatened to wreck the dog food out of him or whatever the fuck he said. And Basically, Jeb never got the chance because in most Xfinity races, 
Noah Gregson's running up in the top 50. So still waiting on Jeb to uh, wreck the dog food out of Mr. Gregson. I don't think it's going to happen. In fact, back to the whole Chandler Smith thing. Obviously, Chandler Smith is going to end up in a cup car at some point. Probably when AJ Allmendinger calls it a career, Chandler Smith will probably be the one to take over that car. And when that happens, Jeb Burton will probably be in the real estate business, much like uh, other drivers who ended up not having much of a career, like uh, former development drivers Blake Feast, Boston Reed, just to name a few. Dylan Kwasneski's in the real estate business now. But I mean, it kind of sucks because he actually had some talent. Rockstar and Ganassi just kind of gave up on him. And uh believe James Busher, after winning a truck series championship at multiple Xfinity races, is also in the real estate business now. While uh, his cousin Chris is still living it up in the cup series. That's uh, that's this week's installment of Hack Highlights. We hope you enjoyed. I guess we'll get into our weekly race picks, which doesn't really make sense to do it this time of the year, but we need stuff to talk about, so we're going to do it. So how it's going to work is week one this week, we're going to spin on a wheel to determine the order of picks, and we got a nice little twist on it. And obviously, like, after that, we're just going to go in reverse order of everyone's average average finish there. So we'll spin the wheel here and see what happens. So our fun little twist is we're involving the Snapchat AI in on this. And he's going first. <laughs> and he's going first. So stand by. Yeah, so we got NASCAR at Dover this weekend. I believe just the Xfinity and the Cup Series. I'm not going to bother making picks for ARCA East because there's probably going to be only like 10 cars in that. Just stand by. I'm asking the AI right now. All right. So for the Xfinity race, the Snapchat AI is, <laughs> is fucking picking Austin Cindric. Oh. <laughs> I got bad news for him. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't need to talk about it. We'll let the AI do his thing. And the AI has picked Kyle Larson to win the cup race. That's a solid pick. Alright, let's see who's going next. Matt, you are up next. Ooh. Alright. So for Xfinity. I'm going for Sheldon Creed. And for a cup, I am going for Martin Truex Jr. It's a solid pick. I don't know why you're picking Sheldon Creed for Xfinity, because he has the worst luck imaginable, but maybe you'll help him turn it around. Truex, though, that's a solid pick. I think he's got like three wins at Dover, so can't go wrong there. All right, let's see who goes next. Cocksucker. Ah, that would be me. Me that goes next. I'm not a cocksucker. <laughs> um, Xfinity, really swinging for the fence here, going John Hunter Nemechek. And for Cup, I had Alex Bowman. 
And I guess I spoke that into existence. Because he fractured a vertebrae in a sprint, uh, sprint car crash after that. So going William Byron this time. Please don't hold me liable for any injuries. If you get hurt, it's not my fault. Anyway, Mikey, who you got? All right. Got Justin Allgaier for the Xfinity Race in your motorsports. Usually strong at Dover every time we go. And for Cup, I got Christopher Bell. He's been on a roll this year. I think he's going to get Gibbs a second win of the year. Those are both solid picks. Allgaier is pretty damn good at Dover. He's got those concrete tracks figured out. And Christopher Bell, like you said, has been on a roll. He, uh, I think he's the points leader. Yep. I don't know what the points are looking like after Talladega. I haven't looked yet, but at least heading into Talladega, he was the points leader. So not bad picks. So we'll see how it goes. Anyway, I guess, uh, We'll go for my second favorite segment of the episode. Darren rants. So this is uh this is a segment where I pick something to talk shit about that pisses me off. And this one is actually going to be racing related this time. NASCAR's inconsistency. So obviously uh, I do a lot of bitching and moaning in our group chat about how fucking inconsistent NASCAR can be. And yeah, so we'll go through some examples. So a couple weeks ago at Phoenix, Denny Hamlin got into Ross Chastain at the end of the race. I believe it was the last lap. Put him into the wall, whatever. Denny owes Ross like seven. So uh, he went on his podcast and admitted that he put him into the wall on purpose. A couple days later, NASCAR finds him money and takes points away for quote unquote Race manipulation. Last week, Corey LaJoy went on a Sirius XM radio and said that he tried to wreck Kyle Busch on purpose at Martinsville and said that he was going to hook him and bring out the caution that he needed. He then doubled down and said it on his podcast, The Stacking Pennies, and he didn't face a single fucking penalty. Now, obviously, like, he didn't follow through with it, but there was contact, intentional contact between Corey and Kyle Bush. So I don't know, man. Like that kind of sounds like race manipulation to me, or at least conspiracy. Perhaps it might have something to do with the fact that NASCAR owns Corey's podcast, but not Denny's. And like it's pretty fucking clear that NASCAR doesn't like Denny Hamlin. Next example of NASCAR's inconsistency. Bubba Wallace brings out intentional cautions, or he's brought out an intentional caution one time. Got fined a good chunk of money for it. Yet, Carson Hosevar does it at least three times per season, and he doesn't face any penalties. Also, sticking with the same people, Bubba, yeah, he wrecked Kyle Larson on purpose last year. Right hooked him, got suspended for one race. Does anyone remember what Carson did to Colby Howard at IRP last year? And like the 20 other times he did that, yeah. Yep, right fucking hooked him on the front stretch. He's also intentionally wrecked people. I forget who it was, but he intentionally wrecked somebody at Richmond to try to stay on the lead lap and ended up tearing his own shit up even more. 
Um, of course, we all know what he did at Martinsville, where he fucking tried to wreck William Sawalich and tried to right hook Taylor Gray on purpose at Martinsville. No penalties. He just had to sit for two laps, which ended up not even making a fucking difference because the race got rained out after that caution that he brought out came out. Matt Kenseth, though, intentionally wrecks Joey Logano, gets suspended for two races. Like, there's just... There's no fucking consistency at all whatsoever. And it's it's getting to a point where drivers can't even, like, be themselves anymore. They can't even go on to their podcast and be like, yeah, like, I wrecked the guy. But, like, back in the day, Dale Earnhardt fucking wrecked the shit out of Terry Labonte. And in his interview, oh, yeah, I meant to rattle his cage a little bit. So, like... You admitted that you tried to get into him on purpose so you could win the race. Like, it makes no fucking sense to me now. Like, drivers are scared to be themselves now. And the fans bitch and moan like, oh, NASCAR drivers have no personality. Well, this is fucking why. Because people try to show their personality and then they get fucking suspended or penalized or points taken away. Like, it's a bunch of bullshit. Like, they need to fucking get it together. Like, who cares? Like, I didn't think anything was wrong with what Denny said. Like, he said he wrecked Chastain. Like, big fucking deal. Like, don't we want these guys to show personality? And, like, what happened to boys have at it? Is that just not a thing anymore? I don't know. But it's all a bunch of bullshit. I just don't understand how we can regress as a sport like that far. And there is a star power problem like in the cup series and your only outspoken drivers are like Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick. What's going to happen when they're retired? Because they're kind of at the tail end of their careers. Obviously Harvick's retiring after this year and Hamlin's at the tail end of his career. Kyle Busch is another one. We lost Kurt Busch because of NASCAR's super safe next-gen car. So, like, we're we're running out of star power and outspoken people. Like, we need somebody... We need people to keep the sport honest. I mean, Keselowski's pretty outspoken, but even him... Like, even he's toned it down a bit from where he was, like, years ago. Like, th- there's a major fucking problem going on in this series, and I don't... I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with what Denny or Corey said. And then like when Priest, like we all know what he did to Larson at Bristol dirt was on purpose, but with the fear of getting fined and having points taken away and all this bullshit, like he just, I like, I love Priest. I'm a big Ryan Priest fan, but like he's insulting everybody's intelligence when he says like, Oh yeah, I, I don't race dirt. So I just got loose. Like, we know it was on purpose. Everyone can see that, but I guess there's no admission to it, so he doesn't get in trouble. But it's just, it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. NASCAR needs to fucking lighten the fuck up and let these drivers be themselves, show their personalities, and let it be. Like, this sport was built on rivalries. And angry interviews are like, fuck that guy. Like, yeah, I wrecked him. He races me like shit, so I spun him out. Like, that's what this...
sword was fucking built mm-hmm. off of. Now you curse an interview and you find $5,000. Yeah. Like, it, it's ridiculous. Like, this sport has been so... It's become so pussified. You know, it is what it is. I, I only bitch because I care. It's a uh, little constructive criticism. Never hurt anybody, right? Yeah. But, like, yeah, NASCAR seriously needs to get it together. Let, like, just enforce the rules consistently or enforce the rules in general and lighten the fuck up. Let these drivers show their personality. Let them get spicy. It makes for entertainment. You classify yourself as sports entertainment. Roll with it. Simple as that. I'm done here. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for episode one. Hopefully you'll be listening to this. Hopefully it makes the cut. Once again, I'm Darren McCabe, Darren McCabe, 16 X on everything. Social media. I'm Matt McGrath. Underscore Matt McGrath underscore on Instagram and put in my regular name on Facebook. I'm Mikey Corbin. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at issues of 602. And once again, you can find the show on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the same screen name. It. I just like my brain just stopped working for a second. Um, Bunch of hacks pod. We'll see you guys next week. Hopefully we'll be, uh, we'll be recapping Stafford. We got a cool guest lined up. So see you guys next week.